You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Of all the developmental stages a baby goes through, weaning is one where parents participate more than ever before. And it can be fun, exciting and strangely satisfying to see your baby try a food for the first time. It's not always easy and sometimes you can feel like you're doing it all wrong. Annabelle Carmel has been helping families wean all around the world for 25 years. Her latest book is called Weaning Made Simple, Your Go-To Guide to Baby's First Food. She joins us in the studio. Hi, Annabelle. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How do you define weaning? Well, it's interesting because I think in Australia, weaning is just coming off the breast, whereas weaning in the UK is really introducing solids, and it can go on for like between around six months to one year we kind of call weaning so it's what you think it is but for me weaning is laying the foundation for a lifetime of healthy eating by making sure that your your baby is introduced to lots of different flavors early because you have this sort of window of opportunity between six months and one year where they're pretty open to trying new things and then the fussy eating quite often sets in yes that so, makes it very hard. Yep, so don't miss it. <laughs> As I mentioned, you've been doing this kind of um, education work for 25 years. Yes. Have you seen the way parents wean change over that time? Yes, I have. Um, I was kind of a bit before my time when I wrote my first book, The Complete Baby and Toddler Meal Planner, which came out in 1991, because... I found it really hard to write that book because there was so much conflicting advice out there. And I'd lost my first child, which was one of the reasons I wrote my book. She died at Great Ormond Street Hospital. And they have an Institute of Child Health attached to Great Ormond Street, which looks after everything to do with research into nutrition. And I thought it'd be so easy to write that book. But interviewing all the so-called experts, I found everyone had different opinion. And it was so difficult to know what was right, what was wrong. So then I worked with the Institute of Child Health, so everything was based on research. So I found out that actually, you know, just giving fruit and vegetables is not the right way to feed a baby. It's okay for a few weeks, but you have to have critical nutrients like red meat or something that contains iron or salmon. And I think that the way we feed our children now is a bit different. We don't just give fruit and vegetables. We realize that the critical nutrients are very important at an early age. And also like being more adventurous with flavors because you can't add salt and you can't add sugar. So adding things like a bit of curry. I make a first chicken curry in my book or using ingredients now, which we may not have used before. Like I did a segment on the morning show this morning and I made chicken balls with quinoa, apple and carrot because my son didn't like chicken, but he liked apple. And then quinoa is such a good ingredient, which is becoming more popular. Um, so, yeah, I think things are changing. I mean, baby led weaning is becoming quite popular. So that's another thing that we, you know, we contend with. I mean, whether you do baby led weaning in exclusion to everything else or whether it's purees and finger food. It's, it's very dependent on you as a mum, what yeah. suits you and what suits your baby. And at what age can you start weaning your child? So that's an interesting one because I think in my day we were introducing food from around four months. That's not to say that babies can't have simple solids from around 17 weeks. They're physiologically able to have them. But there is not a lot of pressure to wait until six months. And in England, um, the government guidelines are to wait till six months. So if you do do that, then you do have to move on from fruit and vegetables onto important foods like iron and essential fatty acids pretty early on. 
And so it is a different way of feeding babies. Um, so what age is the best age? Around five or six months. And the signs are not that they're waking up in the middle of the night needing food because they could be waking up in the middle of the night just for a cuddle or just because they want attention. It's really like, can they support their head? Can they sit up by themselves? Can they actually have a bit of hand-to-eye coordination? And have they lost that tongue thrust reflex? So when they suck, they stick their tongue forward. And that's quite difficult when you start weaning because then the food will come out. So it's better if they have lost that. At least it's not so prevalent. So these are the signs to look out for as to when your baby is ready. But I would say around five or six months is about right. How messy is it likely to get? Well, it depends how you feed your baby. So I'm, I found that making things into very small little balls they could pick up was one of the best ways of weaning them. And it meant it was less messy and because they were quite compact and they didn't fall to pieces. So the chicken balls I was talking about are perfect. And they also made carrot cake energy balls, which had lots of grated carrot and they had chopped very, very finely chopped pecans. But they were um, made into little balls. And the thing is also... Babies find it easier to pick up larger pieces of food. So very often when people are thinking about giving finger foods to babies, they cut them into small pieces. But they don't really have a pincer grip until they're like nine, ten months old. So a larger piece of carrot will it will have a better chance of being picked up and eaten than small pieces of carrot. So it's <laughs> quite interesting. You don't think about that. Also, babies hold food in their fist. So if you have a larger piece, it sticks out of their fist. If you have a small piece, it's like stuck in the fist. There's no food to eat. <laughs> so these are things to think about. And yes, it will be messy. I think you have to draw a deep breath and just expect that. But don't like wipe their face the whole time because they hate that. And you can recycle food if you put something underneath the high chair. And then you can just pick it up and put it back on there on their tray and sometimes it's easy just to put things on the high a high chair tray rather than even thinking of putting a bowl which gets like chucked off however good the suction is they're quite wily and they find a way to get get it off the high chair so sometimes just put all the food on the on the tray it's much easier but yeah it'll be a bit messy but that's them experimenting it's important that they do experiment why do you think there's so much worry about getting it right Well, I think, you know, now that we're giving more finger foods, I think people are worried about gagging and choking. And the truth is, like, babies have to learn to get food from the front of their mouth to the back of their mouth and swallow. And babies will naturally gag when they start to do that. It's a natural reaction not to be worried about. Choking is something completely different when they go silent. So gagging when they cough up food is okay. But I find a lot of parents, as soon as the child starts to gag, they stop giving the finger foods. And then the child never really learns how to swallow properly. So the thing is, you have to kind of relax a bit and understand that that is a normal reaction. And obviously, like, we will talk about it later because I know there's a question about allergies. But um, Allergies are a bit more prevalent than they used to be. So there is a lot of anxiety about, like, which foods should I, should I be introducing and when should I introduce them. And obviously there are foods you can't give, and it's important to know what they are. So, for example, honey. You can't give honey before the first year. Anything that will cause your baby to choke, like whole grapes, cherry tomatoes, even large blueberries should be cut up because, you know, a lot of babies will choke on foods. So as long as it's soft and it's cut up, you should be okay. Things like unpasteurized cheeses, so blue cheese, like camembert, things like that, you can't give. Spicy foods, anything with salt, anything with added sugar, you can't give. Um, smoked meats and ham and salty foods like that, you can't give. Sounds like all the good yeah. stuff. Well, no, all the good <laughs> stuff is actually what you can give. Huh? All the fruits and vegetables and chicken and fish and meat and all that kind of thing is great. There are a few things you can't give. Um, and also to be safe, like the way you present them to your child. 
You alluded to this in your answer to this in the um, first words you said, but <laughs> can the way you wean impact on the kind of eater you'll end up with? I think it can. I think it can. I think it's really important never to force a child to eat anything they don't want to eat because then they, they will find it's a battle time and it's good that it should be enjoyable meal times. They're great mimics as well. So eating with your child is important. I know it's not always possible, but if you can, they'll be more likely to try something if they see you eating it. So that's important. Um, and also introducing a lot of variety will mean that your child won't be such a fussy eater. Also, introducing iron-rich foods, essential fatty acids, they're the two critical nutrients a lot of babies don't get enough of. I mean, iron deficiency is the commonest nutritional deficiency in young children. So not getting enough of that will impact on your baby's physical and mental development. And essential fatty acids are a big part of your baby's brain. So giving oily fish twice a week is really important and it can impact on your baby's visual development and brain development. So yes, you know, if you continue to give just fruit and veg, that isn't the right way to feed babies anymore, especially if you're introducing food at six months. So yes, it can impact the way your baby develops. So it's just important to understand that these critical nutrients need to be given from six months. And actually, you should be giving iron twice a day. Sounds like a lot, but it could be an iron-rich cereal with some vitamin C-rich fruits so you can absorb it. A bit of salmon, like twice a week, and then it should be fine. Now, you were talking about baby-led weaning and mm-hmm. purees, and I know back when my um, kids were small, it was almost like there was two camps on how you fed your child. You'd either be pureeing the hell out of everything yes. or you'd be giving. And not many people were. This is five eight years ago, there weren't many people giving kids the um, stick of carrot or whatever it might be to start eating. How do you feel about it now in terms of whether you should do it one yeah. way or the other? Well, you know what? I always I always did introduce soft finger foods right from the start. So for me, the way I wrote my first book was, you know, you can give some carrot puree, but also give a very soft steamed you know, stick of carrot, because I think it's important that they learn to hold food and get it into their mouth for the hand-to-eye coordination. Obviously, some babies will be better at it than others. And if your baby isn't very good, then I don't think baby-led weaning is, is for you to begin with. So I'm of the opinion that why not do both? Because what's what what are you losing? Like you can make amazing purees and you can still give your baby finger foods. It doesn't have to be one or the other because your baby's going to need to eat cereal from a bowl with a spoon and a yogurt as well. But, you know, obviously I think finger foods are really important and I do loads of finger foods. I also do in my book like two-in-one recipes like salmon and broccoli croquettes. But the same ingredients that make salmon broccoli croquettes can be used to make a puree. So you can decide which way you want to give it to your baby. But I do like to do both. And a lot of health professionals I know think that that probably is the best way to feed your baby. Um, but, of course, it's up to you. And, you know, there are no rules. It's it's a mother's intuition, a parent's intuition, and you'll know what's right for your child. You did talk about the fussy eating age and how that can come in sort of after they've been little babies and um, you're just starting to give them food. But what if um, your child doesn't seem to like the salmon or the iron-rich foods yes. they're eating or even just basic foods like carrots or corn? What if they refuse it? How do you deal with that with a baby? Huh. Well, I had three very fussy children. I think if they'd eaten well, I'd never written my book. <laughs> but I'd lost my first child. She died from an infection went to her brain th- and she died at three months. It was terrible. And then having a child who was really fussy, I felt so vulnerable. And it was the reason I wrote my first book. But I got him to eat. 
And the way I got him to eat was take something he really liked and put it together with something he would refuse to eat. So my chicken balls from the first book, which I've now done in a new way in the new book, were just like minced chicken thigh put together with onion and some breadcrumbs and I put carrot. I put apple with it. Now the apple was what got him to eat it because it had that slightly slight taste of apple that he loved and they made them into balls he loved them the way you make things like you know making sweet potato wedges in the oven that naturally caramelizes the sugars in the sweet potato and they're delicious my children even when they're slightly older never liked cauliflower but then i did a recipe with roasted cauliflower and they then loved it because again it makes it like taste so good completely different steamed cauliflower so it's the way you put it together and in the book i have these ice pops and I make them with strawberries, raspberries, and beetroot. And I make another one with mango, carrot, and yeah, mango, carrot, and orange. So I'm adding the vegetable into the ice lolly. And it looks like an ice lolly. It tastes like an ice lolly, but they're eating the veggies. Yeah. And also something cold. It's really good for their gums if they're teething. So, yeah, there's always ways. There's always ways. I love that. Um, now, you did previously mention allergies. Is there a way of introducing foods to minimize the risk of a reaction? Definitely. So we're actually launching next week, and we've been working on it for about a year, an online weaning course, very in-depth. And there's a huge amount of information on it, on allergies, with one of the leading professors. His name is Adam Fox in the UK. Because I think it's it's a really worrying time. We all know that allergies are on the increase. Also... Any child who has eczema, particularly quite severe eczema when they're young, is very likely to get a food allergy. So should you be introducing to these children, you know, ground nuts and eggs and things like that? Well, maybe not. Maybe you ought to, you know, seek the advice of a health professional before you do. But for any other child, introducing these foods from six months is so important because actually by introducing them early, you're helping to prevent them develop that allergy. And now all the research is pointing to do not avoid these foods. Avoiding them is the worst thing you can do. So it's we now say give peanut butter in some form or other twice a week to your baby from around six months. Give eggs. And you can give eggs, you know, scrambled eggs, you know, dippy eggs, any kind of egg is really good for your child. And eggs are actually the commonest allergy in babies in the UK. And then dairy. But the other thing is like, You've got to get your baby properly tested because the kind of milk you give to your baby if they have a dairy intolerance does not taste very nice. It doesn't. Why inflict that on your child unless you have to? So it's very important you get your child properly tested. But the other thing is if your child has an egg allergy, for example, and they can't eat eggs like omelette or scrambled eggs, they often can tolerate eggs in, say, a meatball or coating a chicken goujon or in a biscuit. And by giving the egg in a way that your child can tolerate will help your child grow out of the allergy. A lot of allergies are not for life. So dairy, you often grow out of egg allergy. That allergy tends to be possibly for life, but not always, but it's it's more prevalent that it lasts longer. But, you know, I think it's really important that you, you develop um, a, and desensitize your child to these allergies if you can. So I've done a lot of work on this, a lot of work, and you'll see it in this online winning course that's coming out next week. And is on that, how to treat that be allergies. on your website? Yeah, then? it's through my website. Okay, it's we'll very, put it's links very interesting up to course. that. Yeah. Um, now, what does a reaction look like? I think that was what yeah. freaked me out is when you were feeding them, you're like, well, are they going to yeah. just stop breathing? Or how do you tell that a child's going to react? Yeah. Generally, it happens quite quickly after you've given them the food. It'll develop a rash, they'll start to swell, you know, or they may just get 
very bad, like tummy upsets. Every child will have a different type of reaction, but you'll see there's something wrong, and you'll probably see it almost straight away. There are delayed reactions, which are more rare. So if your child has a reaction, then it's important that you get proper advice. Um, but sometimes if a child has eczema and they get red around the mouth when they eat something, it's not an allergy. It's that because their skin is slightly broken and maybe the food is like something like strawberries or tomatoes and they're acidic, it will cause your child's mouth to get red. And in those cases, it's good to put some kind of barrier across their mouth. Um, a really life-threatening reaction is, is much rarer. It's called anaphylaxis, and generally that will come with having nuts. What is interesting is that allergies per se are not inherited. So if you or your husband have an allergy to eggs, it's not necessarily that your child will actually inherit that. What is inherited is a propensity to have an allergic kind of tendency. That is asthma, eczema, or hay fever. So if your child has eczema then the child is much more likely to have a food allergy. And that is what's inherited. And then you have mm -hmm. to like be a bit more cautious. And sometimes, you know, you'll give these new foods in a doctor's surgery to make sure that your child doesn't have a, you know, a serious reaction. But for normal babies, I would say just give all of these foods from six months. Mm -hmm. If there's no history and your child hasn't got severe eczema, your child should be fine. Yeah, that's good advice. Finally, this is a totally personal question <laughs> about your thoughts on Greek yogurt, because... I think my kids, when they were small, would eat anything if it was with Greek <laughs> yogurt. So they probably ate more of it than they should. Well, it's dairy and it's calcium, so it's very good. I would say always choose a yogurt that has full fat. So the guidelines for adults are completely different to babies. So we're told low fat, high fiber. Babies need more fat in their diet. And a lot of fiber will deplete their body of important nutrients. So don't give them too many whole grain cereals. So give them white bread as well and white pasta until they're at least two and don't give low-fat yogurts until your baby is over two as well. But otherwise, yeah, yogurt's a good food and that's absolutely fine. And I know Greek <laughs> yogurt evidently is very popular in Australia, <laughs> as is butter chicken. <laughs> oh, I love Because as you chicken. know, I have a range of foods now in Coles and Woolworths. We've been going for like five years and like... I love the butter chicken. Many fans. We have to do a public service <laughs> announcement now. If you didn't already know, Annabelle Carmel has frozen foods for babies. And toddlers. And toddlers. Yeah. They and were, it's delicious. I didn't yeah. know about these when mine was small. I'm very cross. I didn't know. They're just like homemade food. They're all made to my recipes. And they've been very, very popular. Well, there you go. So you've got the choice of the uh, in-store frozen foods <laughs> that you can find. But also the book is called Weaning Made Simple, Your Go-To Guide to Baby's First Foods. We'll put a link to the book. And we'll also um, link to Annabelle's website and uh, let you know when the course is up online. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Lovely to see you. That's Annabelle Carmel. She's a food educator and she's been doing this for over 25 years. The author of Weaning Made Simple, your go-to guides to baby's first foods. As I mentioned, we'll put all the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.